0: Beyond Governance, making sense of doing business in South Africa, is proudly sponsored by Plus 94 Research, the science of decision
1: making. A very good morning to you and thanks for tuning in. This is Beyond Governance at 101.9 High FM. My name is Nimrod Kimbener. As always, I am very pleased to share this space and time with you as we unpack complex if not complicated social and economic issues. Facing the country and the continent, as it were. Before we get into the gist of our conversation this morning, I implore you, the beloved listener, to continue making a difference to the needy by donating any items uh, and make a difference. I'm talking here about blankets, food, uh, food parcel, or anything um, that you that you might have, uh, which uh, could make a difference in the lives of those that are uh, needy and desperate, particularly in this winter. At the heart of our conversation uh, on this glorious morning, it is going to be the 2021 2020 2021 Auditor General Report. As you might know, the report by the AG, the statutory and annual requirements for AG to report on the outcomes of audits, financial performance uh, year, which ended at the 1st, of March, uh, to, uh, to the 1st of March 2021. Just to try and paint the scenario here, here on the report, that five years ago we had 90% sub, uh, 90% submission on time, and, and now the figures drop to 82, uh, with, with the West offenders being the Free State, Northwest, and Northern Cape. The Western Cape, as no surprise, emerges yet again as the best running, as the best run provinces in the country, accounting for 22 really of the 41 clean audits across the country. The observations made by other South Africans, I would imagine, is the deteriorating quality of governance and accountability that is fueled by lack of consequence management in the municipalities. In my view, this continues as a going concern. In making sense of this colossal of governance and management issues, I am joined by Komoto Netsatsi, who is a chief officer responsible for municipal finance and fiscal policy at Salga. Uh, without any waste of time, let me take this opportunity to, to welcome Komoto. Thank you, Dr. Mbellan. Good morning to yourself and to your listeners. Thank you very much. Uh, indeed, Komoto, you're most welcome. I've already painted a picture, Komoto. as Salga, what has been an outright response to a very damning report from the AG um, in terms of the entities, SOEs, as well as municipalities.
0: Okay, thank you very much. And I think, as Asalga, maybe just to make a quick reflection that pretty much over the years, our job has really been, and being an association and a member-based association, that our job has really been about advocacy and lobbying for policy changes. And Saga has gone through a number of restructuring in terms of relooking really looking at the value proposition to our members. And it became very apparent that we have to be our own worst critics. And in this instance, that when things don't actually go right, we call them out for what they are as a representative of local government. And I think for me, that context is very important in what because we all have the interest of local government at heart. If local government does not work, South Africa basically fails because it's a sphere of government that's facing the communities in basically delivering the services. So it's therefore important that the back office staff are basically sorted out so that local government can basically focus on the core business of local government being delivering services to communities. So we really call out for a decisive action to extract accountability and consequence management. And this because we have seen that over the years, there has been instances where municipalities and certain municipalities are basically not improving at all in terms of their governance related issues and audit outcomes. And it's basically an indictment of leadership in those municipalities. But nevertheless, I mean, we've heard uh, local government elections in November, and basically you have a new cohort of leaders that basically came in to take over things as they are and they've got a huge responsibility of actually turning things around and setting the sector on a path of sustainability and basically restoring its credibility. It is from that end that we really call for for decisive action around extraction of accountability and enforcing consequence management and making sure that the entire ecosystem basically, basically works. I mean, with that said, we should never shy away to celebrate the pockets of excellence in local government. Although in the five years, there would have been a drop somewhat, a marginal drop somewhat in terms of the number of qualified audits. But year on year, what we've basically seen that the 27 that is actually Gotten clean audits in the past year, basically retained it, and we've got new entrants, and which is 14. And considering how difficult it is to basically enter that that particular space, is something that has to be commended. And the whole, the entire ecosystem should be structured in a way that it rewards good performance and basically punishes maladministration and mediocrity. And by this. What we mean is that we need to start looking, and basically this points to national government, especially national treasury, to start looking at the division of revenue as an instrument to enforce accountability and, in consequence, management uh, in the system. That we shouldn't find ourselves in a situation where we reach a state of apathy, wherein funds are basically dispersed. To municipalities that are going to basically be mismanaged. And we're not saying communities must actually pay the price for the maladministration in those municipalities, but the constitution and local government legislation provides for interventions and we would like to see a situation where where there is an intervention in a particular municipality that we can see the results of those interventions. And what we've seen up to this point is that if you look at the Section 139 interventions, 28 of the municipalities that have basically been under intervention, only three have got unqualified audits. Two have not submitted financials and basically the rest is nothing basically to celebrate from that end. So what that tells us is that the interventions themselves to actually support local government are basically not working. So those that are basically tasked with supporting have got the resources to basically support are actually not putting on the ground effective programs to basically turn out the municipalities. So it requires a serious review on the interventions themselves and looking at the interventions built in making sure that We hope that those that basically are actually deployed to basically turn things around to account on the intervention so that then we can be impactful basically in our approach. But of course, the state of affairs is not sustainable, is not good for the sector, and it's about time that the leadership in local government basically set the right leadership tone and hold that those that have to be held accountable, accountable, and basically enforce accountability because the legislation basically provides for that. And over and above that, the legislation has basically been changed to basically empower the AG to follow through on issues around material irregularities and refer those matters to law enforcement agencies so that we can then start seeing some level of consequence
1: management and the implementation of it therefore. Thank you very much for that insight. And I think your latter utterance resonates pretty much with what most South Africans would really want you to to see happening. Um, Because the issues around decisive action has been noted. The issues around consequence management has been noted for the longest time, and yet we have never seen any progress in that respect. Being a Section 9 environment, Which makes serious recommendations on what needs to happen to delinquent management, where there is complete dysfunctionality at the council level as well as at executive level. We haven't really seen much, but as you're saying, you're saying to us there is a need to review interventions that would enable or catapult the action of the law enforcement agents, which has been, truth be told, which has been not really visible. What you take on that, the visibility of the law enforcement agency, at least in the public eye?
0: Certainly, I'm aware being a participant in the IGR structures. Uh, I've said in engagements where the SIU would basically update even parliament on those matters that have basically been followed through. I have seen some traction in the past year. So I- I'm not sure in terms of the visibility and the stance that's basically taken from that end, I can't basically respond to that. But comparatively speaking, I have seen some activity being undertaken. But over and above that, I think from the AG side, there's a number of certificates of deaths that would basically be issued uh, to certain officials in municipalities. But I guess it's about the results, right, Dr. Mbele, so that we can start seeing people being held accountable. And we see those faces and who these people are. And only in that way, we would have some level of behavioral change across the board until that's basically done. I guess it would probably be just business as usual. Uh, and hence, we are basically calling the leadership within local government to basically work with the ecosystem. And in these instances, we're talking about audit committees, we're talking about MPREX and the council as well to start asking tough questions, That how do you keep a CFO Basically, that has been um, achieving um, disclaimers over the years. I mean, that's unacceptable. And as much as one understands the complexities of the business of local government in terms of how everything else basically stacks up to what we basically see at the end of the day in terms of the financial statements that get submitted, as well as the audit outcomes, there's a lot that basically happens in the background, there's a lot of players that contribute to the picture that we see, but the leadership within local government should hold those that need to be held accountable in the entire value chain. So we're not saying CFOs must be victimized, but there are leaders in basically in that space and they are responsible to make sure that they implement systems, processes and controls that at the end of the day, we are able to account for every cent that actually goes into municipal coffers and is basically spent in the most prudent way in compliance
1: with the MFMA
0: and other respectable
1: uh, legislation. On that note, let's take a quick break. We'll come back in a second.
0: Beyond Governance, Making Sense of
1: Doing Business in South Africa is proudly sponsored by Plus 94 Research, the science of decision-making. Uh, welcome back. This is Beyond Governance. And if you have just joined us, I'm joined by Homo Solidati, who is the Chief Officer for Municipal Finance, Fiscal Policy and Economic Growth at the South African Local Government Association, SALGA. Before we troop that break, she's really given us insights on some of uh, interventions that have been made and in her view. There's a bit of traction. However, uh, we both conclude that there isn't really much evidence to the public eye and as far as delinquent behaviors that we are seeing in municipalities. Be that as may, one of the issues that you have raised just before we took that break, Homoto, again, how do we justify to have municipal manager? How do we justify to have a CFO? whose uh, role is such an important part, and yet, year after year, municipalities get disclaimers and qualified audit. How does that happen? Because these are some of the issues that are just mind-boggling. You can imagine if you're in a private sector and your investors are expecting dividends and returns on investment, Mm -hmm. and the disclaimer suggests that you don't know what you're doing. Your
0: take on that? Dr. Um, Ambel, on that note, that can be justified. And I'm actually not even here to justify that. I'm sure you've basically even seen the statement that we've basically issued as SALGA. And especially in the last two years, our approach and tone has basically changed because we are equally concerned. We engage with our members. There's a number of support programs that we put our members through. Uh, You would be aware with the new cohort of leaders that basically came through. SALGA has got a well-developed counsellor induction program that basically trains councillors and as well as um, portfolio-based basically training. But with the challenge that basically confronts us, we definitely need to rethink our approach in terms of how we support municipalities as Salga as well. And that's it's a call to National Treasury, to COCTA, relooking looking at Section 154 support uh, programs as well as the effectiveness around Section 139. But nothing will ever replace employing the right people that are competent in what they're supposed to be doing. There's nothing that would ever replace us. And no tolerance of mediocrity would ever assist in terms of turning things around basically in the sector. So if the performance management was basically working Effectively in municipalities, because clearly there's a gap, and the AG has basically highlighted that as an area of concern in certain municipalities. That you would never have an instance where it is tolerated that an MM oversees a term of disclaimers or a CFO oversees a term of disclaimers, because it basically says you don't have the systems at all, you don't have the controls at all, and most importantly, there's certainly a skills issue. In the finance department. And it's even worse if it goes to an extent that consultants are basically brought into the organization and there's no return on investment. And it can only happen in that way if the people that are appointing those consultants don't even know themselves what needs to be done and what needs to be delivered. Because when a consultant is basically appointed, they deliver a report and somebody must accept the report and basically sign off on the report. And basically release the inputs.
1: I'm glad you raised the issues around the work done by consultants, which are noble in some instances. But let's just put that for a second and try and get a sense of, you know, the maladministration is almost like a the manifestation <coughs> of something that is fundamentally wrong. From employment point of view, what in your assessment as saga do you attribute this continuous non-performance on the side of the municipality managers, on the side of the CFO? What is at the root cause? Because one of the issues that you've raised is that of uh, skills and competence. Does that suggest that people that are employed in those particular instances are not worthy in those positions? Is that your assessment?
0: We've looked at
1: over time,
0: drivers of those pocket of excellence, and maybe that's where we have to start, right? What makes an ekurleni all the cities basically in Cape Town to achieve the kind of results that they've achieved. We've also went further and researched as saga 81 municipalities that have consistently gotten unqualified audits, unqualified audits with some findings, and and, and basically their performance around the conditional grants, uh, because there's always this argument whether there's basically a correlation between audit outcomes as well as performance generally in terms of service delivery and conditional grant. And to some extent, there is. There certainly is. Because if a municipality does not have systems to basically account for the transactions that happen in that particular municipality and money goes missing, it's basically money being taken away, basically from service delivery. So what we've actually found out is that in those municipalities, there is stability at a leadership level. Meaning that the MMS would have served a much longer term, CFOs would have served a much longer term. They understand the organization and they know what needs to be done. So if you look at the ages report, one of the findings is that the minimum term for a CFO in local government is like about 45 months. And that's too short for a complex organization like a municipality. I can tell you that outright. Working in local government is not easy, it's a very complex environment with so many moving parts at any moving point and you've got to have your fingers on the parts. So being a CFO in a municipality is actually not an easy job. So certainly we need to have a cohort of CFO and public finance and especially municipal finance, officials that have basically grown through the ranks are not parachuted in positions because they're a CA and a CFO, maybe in some other organization, and they can basically just be placed in local government. And we've seen even the birds that have basically done work in private sector basically failing in local government. And not because they are incompetent as a CA or a CFO and they can't put together financial statements, but it's because local government is a completely different kettle of fish. You have so many departments at any point in time You've got finance people, and I'm not justifying this, Dr. Bell. you've got finance people that are sitting basically in those departments, reporting to the executive director in that department, not directly to the CFO. And then there's some, this dotted line that basically happens to the CFO. And basically, re-looking at the structure so, such that ultimately, they're able to basically hold the CFO accountable for every transaction that basically happens throughout the entire organization such that the CFS get an oversight, even in releasing and approving those invoices. And the executive directors that are actually heading up those units where there are issues that are coming through should also be held accountable. Because it's a financial statement, it's an audit report, it does not necessarily mean that heads must only roll at a municipal level and at a CFO level. My take is that the entire executive and those that would have contributed to the audit outcome as we see it, must actually be held accountable.
1: I could not agree with you, Hamoto, uh, on that particular instance. It goes to show that we don't really have a grasp of what is happening administratively. And i would also even suggest that we need to ask ourselves difficult questions at council level, the extent to which council committees on public finance, for an example, the extent to which are being headed by men with uh, men and women who understand the financial system, who won't just have you know uh, material presented to them, and and for them signing off. That, that's one issue. The other one is obviously the competence level at management level. And of course, I agree with you. There has to be a point where decisive action is not only just spoken about, but it is taken. So far we haven't really we've seen all the nice languages, you know, from all the politicians on what needs to happen, but zero or very negligible results of the talk they, they, they they're saying. One of the issues that I want to draw attention to, um, in a perpetual delinquent administrators from an entity point of view, and this has been attested by the AG as an example, mm. um, you know, there were 12 public entities that received disclaimer in 2020 2021, which include the South African Nuclear Energy Corporation, the National Skills Fund for Technical and Vocational Education and Training. And these are in the Free State and Northwest. The AG also indicate that entities such as PRASA, Passenger Royal Agents of South Africa, and Independent Development Trust have received disclaimers. I mean, this is just shocking, to say the least. We hear the Minister of Transport every other time making this pronouncement with that pronouncement and the entity that he oversees.
0: And Dr. Amba, this is, I mean, even as as that if when we have leaders, they must lead by example. So those that are basically over-tasked to carry out oversight must themselves lead by example. How do you call out a whole sector when your own department is basically not in order? How do you even support those delinquent municipalities when you don't even have capacity in your own department. And that's why the age is specifically focused on the entire ecosystem, which we did at Salga in the previous year and around consequence management and extracting accountability. And that's the resolution that the AMC has basically taken in Salga. But the other point that we were basically deliberating on and some of the strategic partnerships uh, that we've basically formed in rethinking how do we basically address this issue and turn around things is that we've got professional bodies. We've entered into a number of agreements in the past year with a number of professional bodies to assist us in addressing these issues, and especially issues around ethical behavior of their members. So in this instance, we look at Psyche, that if you've got a CA, so obviously they are a member of SAICA and they must uphold certain ethics to basically maintain their membership. And part of that is how they carry themselves when they get into these institutions that they basically need. That how do we then continue to have professionals in municipalities that belongs to a number of bodies that have to oversee their conduct that are basically not called out by those professional bodies. So what we're actually calling out for is some level of proactiveness and collaboration with the entire system so that we can then read the system of those that are basically not adding value. If they need to be upskilled, they have to be upskilled. If there's some transgressions, those need to be followed through. I mean, we've basically seen um, what happened in the private sector. If I have to make an example, we stand off. And the attention that was basically focused on your likes of your KPMG and Deloitte and that in this particular issues. So we really need to rethink as the entire Ecosystem. How do we basically read the system of people that are actually not adding value and are basically adding to this adverse uh, situation that we see that ultimately uh, communities will pay the price for as it would eventually impact? on service delivery if money is basically go missing without being accounted for.
1: On that note, Komoto, let's take a, a, a commercial break. We'll come back in a second.
0: Beyond Governance, making sense of doing business in South Africa, is proudly sponsored by Plus94
1: Research, the science of decision-making. Welcome back. This is uh, Beyond Governance. Uh, my, my name is Nimro Kimela, and I'm joined by Komoto Letatu, who is the Chief Officer for Municipal Finance, fiscal policy and economic growth at the South African Local Government Association. Before we took that break, Komatsu made some very interesting points, which I could not agree with her more. Uh, First is about the sustainability of energy, amongst others, is measured by leadership stability. turnaround of most municipalities is that the CFOs or the municipal managers, they are in within 12 months, they are gone, and we've got another one. And I want to draw this very same issue to to entities such as uh, PRASA, seeing how leadership st- uh, instability, both at the board level as well as an executive level. The fact that PRASA did not uh, Prasa obtain a disclaimer it is indicative of leadership stability. So which means whatever intervention that uh, SALGA um, is coming up with, one of the key ethos has to be on how to strengthen a leadership um, stability. I'm sure you'd agree with me on that point, Hamozo.
0: No, certainly, and we agree 100%. And, and the NEC of SALGA, that basically said on the 14th of June, in the main, in terms of various interventions in responding to the current audit outcomes, is the role of leadership in turning things around. There's no two ways, that commitment and appreciation, and with these new leaders that are basically coming through, we're really positive that we would see some level of positive outcomes in that particular regard. And really the example that we can use and the AG has basically used is what basically happened in Limpo and the improvement that we've seen in Limpopo, And the reason why there's that improvement in Limpo is because there's the correct leadership tool. The leadership was visible all at a provincial level, that worked very closely with with the local government in that space and SALGA officials in basically supporting municipalities and using all structures that are basically available there to make sure that there's a specific focus on those municipalities that are basically not doing well. So the CFOs in Limboa actually know in local government that there's a specific focus from all the way to the premier and they will be held accountable. And that's the kind of leadership tone that would actually like to see across the board basically in the country, but nothing would ever replace having the correct leadership that understand the issues and can lead in terms of resolving those issues and enforcing consequence management and extracting accountability because the legislation empowers the leadership to do so. So fortunately, we've got um, very well-developed institutional arrangements and those instruments might just be used. They might just be used to turn things around. And then, of course, appointing the correct people, we cannot overemphasize more on that, but it is very important that we basically appoint the right people and partner with the right people that have got the interest of this institution at heart and ultimately South Africans in terms of delivering, whether it's a consultant um, that the municipalities would basically employ for, for a particular intervention. It's important that there's basically a return
1: on investment in that particular in that particular relationship, I could not agree with you more on that point. As we move along, Homozo, one of the findings by the AGs is that metros such as Twani, city of Johannesburg, Ekurhuleni, and Cape Town, and Nelson Mandela, were all downgraded to below sub investment grade. What does this mean for these metros?
0: So, Moody's has got different credit rating, you've got different rating methodology, right? And I need to provide that context first. So Moody's credit rating agency being an international agency as well, is that they move from a global scale rating to a national scale rating, and then basically allocate a particular rating, a a rating for, for a municipality or any of the organizations that they basically rate. But here's the thing in the South African context, that in South Africa, in terms of the MFMA, Municipalities actually not allowed to basically participate in global markets in terms of the issuance of bonds or loans, similar to what sovereign basically does. So you would know from time to time National Treasury would go to international bond markets and international DFIs and basically raise funding there. So everything that you see in the, the municipal balance sheet is basically rent denominated. Okay. So it's neither here nor there what really happens in the global space in terms of local government per se, because it's basically very much inward focus. So what happens is that the rating basically will emanate from a global scale rating, which is where you wouldn't find a municipality in terms of the local currency that basically rated higher than sovereign. But however, sovereign becomes a cap basically for local government. So what really happened there from a Moody's side is that when they looked at the dynamics in the global space and the liquidity concerns, given that in the past two years we were hit very hard by COVID, so the issues were very external in nature, but they do impact on us, right? Similar to how the oil price basically in, is impacting on the whole, on the entire world. So there were the issues of COVID and the economic downturn. And the fact that sovereign was not actually collecting taxes. And let's come to municipalities as well. So municipalities had issues as well, where customers were overly strained, a disposable income was under a lot of pressure, which then affected their ability to pay for the services consumed. So already Moody's was saying, because of this picture that we see, we've seen this sector being overly constrained, which is a domino effect all the way in terms of what's happening in the global landscape. But let's look at what really happened in those municipalities, since they were basically downgraded to sub-investment grade. So if you ask me, is Ekur Leni an investment grade entity? And I would say, yes, it is. It is an investment-grade rating entity. Why? It's because of the customer base that they have is diversified. Yes, there are liquidity challenges, but the MFMA allows for them to tap into other instruments to manage their day-to-day cash cash flow requirements. I've not heard of a good that has failed to basically pay creditors because of its liquidity constraint, but it's because they are instruments to basically do so. I just have a different view in terms of what happened on that particular front but is basically what it is. From my knowledge, in terms of engaging with the various municipalities that we haven't actually seen in recent years any specific default from any of the municipalities because of the liquidity challenges. So there's still places that there's good governance. We see Egorleni Leni there has got a clean audit outcome. The rest of the metros are basically pretty much under unqualified with some findings. So there's still some level of good governance, there's a room basically to improve, yes, as much as in the accounting strictest sense, you don't have clean audit. It's basically a category that's basically enforced basically in public service, and which is good because it says, this is public funds, you must account for every cent that basically you spend. And you must come back and account basically to the public. And I think that was the conceptualization of the concept itself to make sure that we basically very strict on this public sector as a whole in terms of management of its financial affairs. But my take, if we look at the size of the municipal, well, there could be challenges here and there. But your likes of city of Cape Town that were also downgraded, city of Johannesburg, City of ekurleni those are still investment, investment grade. And I think some level of You know, comfort in the midst of this chaos um, that we find, although when a rent not accounted for is one run too much, is that of the municipalities that basically received unqualified audits, they account for 73% of the sector's budget, which is around just over 380 billion out of 508 billion. But it's important then we address the issue around the credible financials, the issues around uh, material irregularities, the non-compliance issues in terms of supply chain, because we would want most municipalities to basically enter that space of clean audits because the benefit of actually doing so in terms of having good governance in place is that investors start looking at you differently. So we've seen metros have basically benefited a great deal in terms of putting systems and processes in place where they're actually able to produce good audit results. And they were able to basically tap into debt capital markets to raise funding that they could actually put into their capital program. So generally the metro's capital expenditure is basically much higher than other 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 categories, um, whether your category B or C uh, municipalities precisely because they are able to crowd in private investors. So you would never be able to do that when you have a disclaimer. You'd never be able to do that when you have an adverse audit outcome or a qualified
1: audit outcome. Investors would not even give you the time of the day. I certainly could not agree with you more. Uh, Unfortunately, we have already run out of time on this very interesting issue that you have just brought to attention. Let's take a quick commercial break we'll back in a second.
0: Beyond Governance, making sense of doing business in South Africa
1: is proudly sponsored by Plus 94 Research, the science of decision making. This is Beyond Governance uh, and yours is this is Nimrod Mbele. I am joined by Homoso Linsatu, who is the Chief Officer for Municipal Finance, Fiscal Policy and Economic Growth at the South African Local Government and Association. Before we took that break, we were, you know, deliberating on the extent to which the rating agencies have downgraded most of the metros to sub-investment level. And the indication that we're getting from, um, you know, our guests is that there are a lot of complex and variables that, we, that needs to be taken into account in her view is that most of these, you know, metros are still still going concerned. They have been managed properly. They have not, um, you know, run out of fiscus to manage their debts. So we have to look at the external forces which has enabled them to be where they are at, which which I could not agree with, with her more. But the bottom line is that in the context of fiscal constraints by these metros, which means the you know the, the, the rate of borrowing, the the mere fact that you are being downgraded means the rate of borrowing is going to be slightly higher. And the, the, the higher interest that you that is accrued, take away from any investments in capital uh, projects such as sewer, such as electrification, and so on and so forth. But those are issues that I don't think Homo and I will disagree on.
0: Certainly there is no doubt, and as long as there is basically an appreciation that there's external... And credit specific fundamentals. So, on the credit specific fundamentals, is basically what's in the control of the municipality. That's where we need to hold the municipality accountable. You bill correctly, you correct on time. And for the customers of the municipality, with where the debtors book, that's basically sitting at over two hundred and eighty billion. Those are services that were consumed and not paid for by the customers of municipalities. So it will definitely have an impact on the ability of municipalities to basically meet their obligations and pay creditors, your creditors like your ESCOM and your Waterboard. So is that whole relationship that eventually has an impact on the quality of service delivery, but consequently on the cost of borrowing for those municipalities that are basically able to basically tap into that space to augment the
1: funding that basically goes into the capital programs that they have to basically outlay. Thank you very much for that insight, which is quite useful. Um, as a part in short, uh, Komoto, I'm sure Saga has a turnaround strategy to strengthen the capacity of municipalities and to take action on those that aren't doing it. Could you just give us high level turnaround solutions that are on the table at the moment?
0: So SAUGA has got a program called the Municipal Audit Support Program. And that program was developed, I mean, over and above programs that are basically provided for by National Treasury. But that program was basically developed to support municipalities in basically turning around the situation basically as we see it. Initially, really, the program was very focused more on generic program. so in instances where we would have an asset management issue that's basically been flagged by the AG, Salga will then, through that program, basically developed a tool in assisting municipalities across the board on issues that are basically generally common. But with what we see now, when we say we need to start rethinking about our interventions, is that in certain instances, a remotely removed kind of an intervention would not necessarily work would have to basically go in with our partners, disperse capacity, conduct a deep-speak approach in terms of what the issues are and develop a differentiated approach in in, in terms of our intervention. And that's the change of the new mask and where we basically move in basically as Salga that would actually identify a handful. And this is just based on the capacity constraints in Salga given that we are a membership-based organization. So we don't have same similar kind of budgets like our counterparts at national and provincial. But we would go and adopt a handful of municipalities and work with those municipalities over time, not just annual we come in, we do something. For this term of office, if we have to handhold them in terms of different aspects in those municipalities, because it's not all financial related, right? And then come up with programs to basically address those, and we'll report our progress in that in that particular regard. And this is over and above the training that we basically provide to municipalities. Uh, We produced a number of good uh, practice guides, a number of frameworks, uh, asset management, basically records keeping that could actually assist municipalities to basically improve their systems. And we've also gone and partnered with your likes of Sigfaro, which is a body of CFOs basically across the board so that then we can start uh, sharing the pocket of excellence between the CFOs and, and and so that the support can actually also come come from from that end. So that's amongst just a, a few things that we're basically doing. We're currently intensifying our training in terms of um, training impacts to make sure that they're basically effective uh, around their oversight. And we will be going forward actually focusing on municipal, on municipal officials basically in partnership with our various partners like USAICA, uh, the AG themselves, and, and basically uh, SIGFARO, uh, supply chain, uh, CIP. So there's a lot that we've basically been doing in the past year to make sure that we throw our weight in this ecosystem in supporting our members so that then we can see them actually making progress around just sorting out the back
1: office stuff and improving governance in their respective Thank you very much, much? I mean, you've certainly uh, given us a, you know, the flair on the level of complexity um, in the ecosystem of the local government, as it were. And what I pick up from your end is a need for a differentiated approach, which recognizes that all municipalities don't have similar problems or issues. You also give us a sense that in, you know, remote interventions don't necessarily work. However, that needs to be juxtaposed with availability of resources on your end as a membership-based organization. You are equally constrained by resources. You just have to partner and collaborate with entities such as SICA, as you've pointed out, to close gaps as much as possible. I think that's quite a useful insight to to gain. And are you optimistic that these kinds of interventions that you have alluded to will give Saga a leverage point. By leverage point, I mean, um, you know, will have a ripple effect in addressing some of these seemingly very chronic uh, issues in local government.
0: Certainly. So if you look at the 117 that are outside of the unqualified, one thing that I need to say is that we can't do it alone. The entire ecosystem would have to work towards a common goal in making sure that all of us collectively our interventions are impactful. And that's what we're calling for as well. And us being a player in that space as well, we're also re- looking at ourselves to say, what is it that should actually be done differently? But it would only be impactful because there's so many moving parts when everyone in the entire ecosystem, whether it's communities participating in municipal processes like your IDP, and also holding municipalities accountable. Uh, Councils are generally open, engagement councils, holding those that must be held accountable, basically accountable, so we can train all we want. And we've been training basically over the years. And we should not even be going in and basically going and sitting with a, a CFO, teaching a CFO how to do financial, but it has to get to that point, right? Because as a prerequisite, you need certain level of competencies to basically take over a finance position. So we would have to look at all of those aspects. We have to look at performance management. So we are, are basically confident that if we take this new approach as a collective, and a collective, I mean, from a national treasury perspective, provincial perspective, we should be able to see some results. And we can only support them if we are supported, if there's buy-in in those municipalities, if there's willingness for those municipalities to basically turn things around. And only through some political sponsorship and from leaders in those municipalities in turning things around and making and insisting that their officials actually implement things that they're basically supported on, then we can start seeing some results.
1: Well, we're going to have to leave it there. Thank you very much, Komatsu Lizzati, for your invaluable contribution. I certainly believe the listener would have a different thought process and appreciate the complexity. Nonetheless, you know, demand better services from all the municipalities and entities. Thank you very much. That was Komatsu Lizzati, who is the Chief Officer for Municipal Finance, Fiscal Policy and Economic Growth at the South African Local Government Association, giving us interesting insight, which has completely Shift my thinking in some of the um, areas which which I wasn't as up fair with. Uh, again, we're going to have to leave it here and let's do it again in the nearest future. Have a good morning and shalom. Beyond Governance was brought to you by Plus 94 Research, the science of
0: decision making.